Well, good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing? Good morning, I hope. You know, uh, there's a lot to be thankful for this morning. Um, is Michael Johnson, is he, uh, is he present this morning? Yeah, but he just walked out. He just walked out? Okay, okay. I wanted to rebuke him. That's why I wanted to, I wanted to publicly rebuke him. Just kidding. You know, if you don't have these yet, um, we do have new invitations to the church, and they're, they're actually in a box uh, right in the bookshelf, and I think our ushers will hand these out during service, but these, these little cards match our church signs outside. Uh, the designer and architect is uh, Caleb, ultimately God, but God gifted Caleb to make this awesome card. It's got our directions, I mean, our address on the back, it's got the time of service, it's got our website. Uh, it's just a little handy little business card to hand out uh, to those who uh, God has put in your life to influence, to touch, uh, so per se, to really call uh, into His kingdom. Um, so I hope you're enjoying the, the Quiet Time books uh, that we got, everybody, and uh, you purchased. And they've been fantastic. They've been really helping all of us get our hearts back on track. And the, the, one of the subject matters today I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak on is the power of touch. The power of touch. You know, when I looked it up on Google, I came up with a TV series uh, that I actually watched. I thought it was pretty interesting. How a young boy uh, would not be touched by anyone, especially his father, because there was a disconnect. I think sometimes when you touch someone, and there's, there, 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 the connection was being missed. And yeah, this boy had a little bit of autistic tendencies, and, uh, but he was trying to communicate through... Uh, connecting numbers and, and different things. And the dad was unaware of him trying to connect with his father. All the time he was trying to connect with his dad. And his dad was missing the connection. And his dad just never, he touched him once and he didn't like it, so he figured, I'm, I'm never going to touch him again. Because wow. I don't want to upset him. But when the father finally figured out that he was trying to communicate, he, he told his son, I know that you're trying to talk to me now. And the son hugs his father. Great little show. I didn't know it until I Googled it. Power of Google. I also, when I Googled Touch, I, I, found, I found the iPod Touch. Uh, my kids got that for a Christmas present from Grandma and Grandpa, and they're touching it a lot. We have to put certain guidelines and rules in our house on the iPod Touch. Uh, you know, I wanted to, to know if touch was important to the human soul. And, you know, we all like feel like, ah, I need to be touched. You know, in the 1940s, Dr. Renee Spitz was left perplexed as to why babies who were orphaned in World War II, under his care, were dying despite being given the proper nutrition and sterile surroundings. Decades before this, reports had also surfaced of babies dying in orphanages in the United States for inexplicable reasons. These events triggered extensive studies that later gave birth to American psychologist Harry Harlow's verdict. The babies died from lack of touch. You know, the elderly wither away from lack of touch. When their children grow up and they don't have human contact, they wither away. How many of us are dying inside because we haven't been touched. You know when you're having a terrible day? 
We just need a touch. Yeah. We don't need a shove. <laughs> we need a touch. Touch is one of the most basic human elements we need in our life. You know, in the Bible, they had this thing called laying on of the hands. You know, in the Old Testament, it was used to commission one to the, into service for God. They would lay their hands. They'd give them, give them this vision, but they would also touch the person. You know, when Moses laid his hands on Joshua, that he was going to lead God's people after him, he laid his hands on Joshua. You know, when the men in the church in the book Acts chapter 6 were commissioned to serve the church, spiritual men, they laid their hands on them and prayed. You know, when Barnabas and Paul left for the first missionary journey, they laid their hands on them and prayed for them. And when Paul was training Timothy, he said, don't forget, I'm laying on the hands that was done for you. You know, spiritual things require us to touch each other. You know, in Hebrews chapter 1, I'm just going to read this for you. In verse 3 it says this, The Son, that's Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. When we want to see God, when you say, hey, what is God going to be like? We can look at Jesus and know exactly how God would react to a situation. Exactly what God would do in a situation. And as we study the life of Jesus, keep in mind, the heart of Jesus and the heart of God are exactly the same. Point number one, let Jesus touch you. Look in your Bibles in Mark chapter 1. Let Jesus touch you. There's an account here that is incredible. You mean amen when you're there, church. Mark 1, verse 42. I mean, uh, Mark 1, verse 41. He comes across a leper. Lepers were outcasted. They were looked down upon. They were were secluded from uh, the community. And this leper comes out. And he sees Jesus. And he's asking to be healed. Help me. Verse 41. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out His hand and touched the man. I am willing, He said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left Him and He was cured. Jesus touched a leper. It wasn't lawful and maybe it wasn't wise. But it was His way. And we all need a simple touch by the Master, don't we? Mm -hmm. What's interesting in this account is how he felt when he touched the leper. You ever get one of those hugs where you know there's no compassion involved? Like, hey, bro, that's awesome, man, that's awesome. (laughs) You know one of those, hey, bro, work it out yourself kind of touches? And then you know the difference between, like, hey, I am with you kind of touch. I empathize with you kind of touch. I am with you. My heart hurts just like your heart hurts kind of touch. Ever had those touches? You're like, wow, that really helped me. And here we see the heart of Jesus, the heart of God. Seeing a man in a state 
having compassion. The leper never asked to be touched. He didn't say, Jesus, touch me. Jesus was just filled with compassion that He touched him. He didn't feel obligated. He didn't feel pressured. He felt compassion. In fact, He was filled with it. You know, sometimes I can be out of touch. Sometimes you can be out of touch. It's called a numbness. You wake up numb. You're sitting, you're going, I know I'm sitting, but I don't feel a thing. I've had those weeks. Loose feeling in your heart. Let Jesus touch you. Let's watch Jesus here in another account. Look in your Bibles in Matthew 17. The power of touch. Matthew 17, verse 5. You know, they're on this great mountaintop. He takes up, you know, the, the inner three, Peter, James, and John, and they have an experience of their life. And, and, they're, and they're talking to Jesus up there, and Jesus, you know, uh, Moses appears, Elijah appears, and then they hear the voice of God. What an experience hanging out with Jesus, huh? In verse 5 it says, While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the, cl- uh, from the cloud said, This is my Son, whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. Listen to Him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, He said. Don't be afraid. When he looked up, when, or when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. You'll never forget hearing the, the voice of God. Once you hear it, you're never going to forget it. But what's interesting is the reaction to hearing God's voice. It wasn't a very unique reaction. Because in Exodus 19, God's voice was heard from Mount Sinai, and the people heard it. And they were scared. And they were terrified. Even Moses said, I am trembling with fear. They said, Moses, don't let God speak out loud. Let Him only talk to you, because if He keeps talking, we're, we're going to die. Such an intense moment. And what does Jesus do when His three guys are filled with fear? He touches them. What does God do? What does Jesus do? He touches you when you're scared. You know, when people are scared, they do crazy things. Right? When your child's in danger, or someone's going to a child, and you get scared, you do crazy mama things, right? You say to yourself, that person, he, he came an inch from death, because my son was right here, and he, you know... We know what it means to be scared. And we do things that are absolutely against God when we're scared. The exact representation, Jesus, God, He touches them when they're terrified. He could have just said, get up, man. It's not that big a deal, man. It's not that big a deal. Get up, come on. Come on. Come on, guys. You've got to leave the world. Come on, you've got to toughen up. Doesn't say that. 
He touches them and says, get up. Are you scared this morning? Are you scared to be real this morning? Are you scared to trust this morning? Are you scared to change this morning? They were scared. But let Jesus touch you. You know, sometimes when you get in your own little, your own little world and someone tries to touch you, like, get, get your hands off me, don't touch me. Just, get, get. I'll cope on my own. I'll deal with my own reality. I just, uh, stop being so loving and nice because I don't like it. Because maybe we didn't grow up that way. Because a lot of times, we didn't grow up with loving touches. I grew up with the paha. And if you're Latin, you just know exactly what I said. That means the belt. My dad touched me many times. So touching and comfort me growing up was not something I was used to. So I, I deal with compassion. almost sounded like, don't feel, don't feel sorry for me. That's my slap because that's what, how, how I kind of grew up going, don't, don't, don't feel bad for me. I'm fine. I'll be fine. And I resist the touch. I don't want the touch. But I need the touch. Jesus touches us. He sees you and touches you. You know, when we're at our most vulnerable state, Jesus likes to touch us. But something that's interesting is that this. When people saw Jesus, they wanted to be touched by Him. Sometimes you're you're paralyzed, He touches you, but sometimes you're not as paralyzed. You're going, hey, there's Jesus. And sometimes people said, hey, touch me. Can you come over here? You know, one time uh, in college... Um, and I hate sharing the soccer stories because Steve Burns make, makes it terrible now for me to share these stories. But when I was playing collegiate soccer, part of, part of traveling with the team on tournaments was how you performed that week. They didn't go on what you did two weeks ago. They didn't care what you did two weeks ago. They want to know how your training went on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to go and travel with the team. Well, I had my worst week that week. And so when the list came out, I had, a, I had this funny feeling that I wasn't on the list because of how I performed that week. But I thought, you know, my two all-conferences, you know, career goal skiing from Mount Sac would carry the day. And it didn't. And uh, the coach read out the names and I wasn't on the list. And I was devastated. And I was a senior. A starter, I thought. And so uh, I, I didn't show any emotion at, at the time, but I, I, so I was hurting. And so when I got home, I entered the door of my house, and I started to walk to my bedroom. And along the way, I started to cry. And my mom happened to walk and goes, Mijo, what's wrong? ¿Qué pasó? And then I hear her say, Escucho. That's my dad's nickname. Get in there. And then, uh, so I went into my room, and I just started just, I just was on the center of the bed just going, I cannot believe that I I'm not part of this. It just devastated me. And yeah, you know, it could be. It wasn't something spiritual. I just I wanted to be with the team. I wanted to travel with the team. Uh, even if I rode the bench, I didn't care. I just wanted to be with the team. And so I sat down on the bed and I was just crying. My dad walks. My friend, I locked the door. My dad goes, "Hey, can you open the door?" I said, "Fuck yeah, open the door." And my dad and I never had these, you know, moments before. So I didn't know how to respond to compassion. And I sat there just weeping and weeping. He said, "What happened? What happened?" 
You know, parents think of the worst things. What happened? Did you, did you hurt, you know, and I was like, like, no, I didn't hurt anybody. No, I didn't, you know. It's always the, the, the serious things. I said, Dad, I didn't make the, the soccer team to go to the tournament. And his reaction was like, it was like relief going, that's it, thank God. You know? <laughs> and then, he, then I could tell he was like, that's not the reaction I was looking for. <laughs> but he, he was able to go, he put, he put his hand on me. He says, I'm sorry, mijo, that I'm sorry you didn't make, make it this week. I'm sorry. Man, he's not a man of many words. He's not a man who explains things very well, but his touch said a thousand words. His touch said, I'm with you. I feel you. And I, I'll never forget that, that moment in my life when my father touched me with his hand. People, when they saw Jesus, they wanted to be touched. Point number two, go after being touched. Look in, uh, in your Bibles in, uh, in Matthew chapter 9. Sometimes we realize we need to be touched and we're not terrified, we're not, we're not in a paralyzed state, but we realize that we need to be touched. And we have the ability to seek Jesus. But sometimes we want to save our own lives. And whenever we do that, we lose our life. As it says in Matthew 16, verse 25, Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. We make our best efforts in trying to resolve our issues by ourselves. Sometimes when I'm down, I need a touch. I need it. Let's take a look at people who saw Jesus and wanted to be touched. In Matthew 9, verse 23, or 27. Uh, Jesus, as Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and asked, Do you believe? Uh, he, and he asked them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? That's what Jesus said. He asked them this question. Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, it'll be done for you or to you. And their sight was restored. You know, Jesus just got done finishing raising a girl from the dead. And then his next interaction is when people, two blind people, wanted to see. What's interesting is that when they called out to him, Jesus doesn't come over. He wasn't like, hey, have mercy on us. And all of a sudden he was like, oh, what do you need? What's going on over here? He, in fact, he, he doesn't say anything. He just kind of goes inside. And you know what else is interesting? The blind men go inside too. Because that's where Jesus was. They went to him and he was inside. That's a little bit of a challenge you can't see. They went inside. Grace is only effective when there's a need for it. And we're always trying to fix ourselves. And we bring the law into our lives. And the law doesn't give life. When we see a need that we can't do this, we go to God and we find His grace. We find His encouragement to go on. 
You know what stops you from going after Jesus? You know, if you come from a religious background, you might have some preconceived ideas about Jesus. You might be wondering why there's not a statue of Jesus up here. And you come into church going, where's Jesus? Where's the statue? I don't feel like this is a church. Maybe you have fear of past hurts. Maybe your, your church that you used to went to growing up hurts you. Hurts your, hurt your dad or hurts your mom or, or was mean or, or was unresolved. And you see people and you don't see Jesus. Go after Jesus. These blind men went inside to go after Jesus. And He restored their sight. They saw the need. They're going, hey, we can't do it on our own. We need the touch. We need Jesus. Look in Matthew chapter 20. Here's some more blind men. Blind men were, were quite the, the, the scene here. Matthew 20, verse, uh, verse 30. It says here, two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. I don't know if they had a little committee group or something. That was kind of their phrase, but they tended to say that. And the crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. You know what strikes me about those two accounts of the blind man? He didn't always respond right right away. The blind man had to overcome something to get in contact with Jesus. One, he ignored him. They had to go inside. They'd find their way inside Jesus. This one, the crowd said, Hey, be quiet. Shh, shh, shh. You ever been shh in church for talking? What do you do when people discourage you? They shouted louder for Jesus. I think too many of us, when we get discouraged, we're going, oh, it's just never going to come out. And we have this surrendered spirit of, I'm going to give up on trying to reach Jesus. Oh, he hasn't answered my prayers. These blind men were told to, there are problems in their life, they're told to, and what do they do? They shout louder. I'm going to get me some of Jesus. There is no one that's going to stop me from seeing Jesus. Why do you let people stop you? Why do you let people discourage you? Shout louder for Jesus. We give up way too easy. We give up in our marriages way too easy. We let bumps fester. And fester and fester. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. It's going to go. No, it doesn't. That mountain just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. 
It never goes away until it's resolved. Never goes away. We think, oh, a good night's sleep, it's going to feel better in the morning. (coughs) Never does. It feels worse. What do you do when people discourage you? You know what's interesting here is that he asked the blind man a question. What do you want me to do for you? On one hand, it's like, it's pretty obvious. But he wants them to say it. You know, it's obvious to God where you're at. It's, he's not deceived in your spiritual state. But he's asking you the question. What do you want me to do for you? You know, he asked in John 1, he asked that question to Andrew. The disciples of John, when they were following him, he turned around and says, what do you want? I want to follow you. We want to know where you're going. Okay, come. Jesus knows where we're at. And the question here this morning is, what do you want him to do for you? These men knew. They wanted to see. How would you answer that? What do you want Jesus to do for you? Now look at me in Luke chapter 8. Let Jesus touch you. Or go after Jesus touching you. Luke chapter 8. When we see Jesus, we are seeing God. Luke chapter 8 verse 44. As Jesus was on His way, the crowds almost crushed Him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. But no one could heal her. She came up behind and touched the cloak of Jesus. And immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could no no longer go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. You know, Jesus was actually, in in this situation, was actually on his way to go see someone else. And so he's going, and, and this crowd is around him. And the Bible says it's a crushing crowd. And people are all on all sides, and they're pressing against him, and they're moving in one. And so many people are pressing against Jesus, touching and pressing, but yet are not drawing his power. Why is that? Do you go to church and still leave powerless? Why is that? What was different for her than you? Well, verse 48 gives us the answer. She believed that if she were to touch Jesus, it would change her. Very simple. She believed, not intellectually, but her whole being, she believed, if I just touch Him, I'll be healed. And Jesus notices when we really believe. Because the guys around Jesus, they were pressing on Him. 
but he wasn't drawing any, there was no power being released. But when she touched him, Jesus knew she really believed. And a lot of times our spiritual state can be healed. Not by a human, but by us believing Jesus can change us. Sometimes when you've been around a long time, you forget that. You think a D time is going to change you. You think a cup of coffee with the brother or sister is going to change you. In some respects, it helps. But nothing changes you from the inside like Jesus. Nothing in the world. I think D times are awesome. And they're helpful. And they give us a, a direction and a perspective. But it doesn't make me feel like when I feel like I can touch Jesus and I'm going, I'm different now. You know, when I go in my, in my neighborhood, when I pray around my, when my relationship with God, nothing's going to change the upset feelings I have in my heart but God. So I tell Him. I tell Him how upset I am. How mad I am. I don't like this. I didn't like that. I don't appreciate this. I tell him. Because I believe, number one, he can handle that. You probably can't, so I don't tell you as much. But he can handle that. And I believe after I say it, my heart just feels right. It feels good. It feels healed. And that's just by just telling God, instead of going, God, you're so awesome. God, you're great. God, God I want to confess. God, I'm so thankful. God, God, I want to ask you. Sometimes it's dope. they don't make me feel good. What makes me feel good is telling God exactly how I'm doing. Because He knows. He sees me. And a lot of times I want to avoid the touch. Jesus notice, He notices when you believe He can heal you. And lastly, the power of touch is to touch others. Number three, touch others. You know, Jesus calls us to touch people. In Matthew 28 is the biggest declaration in verse 18. Go and make disciples of all nations. One of the biggest declarations. Go and touch the world. You know, we got a daddy-daughter dance coming up on February 18th. It is another list of little opportunity. Let me just say this to us. That dance is not just for you, daddy, dads. It's for your neighbors, too. It's for people you know in your neighborhood who have a daughter. I'm already targeting my neighbors who have a daughter. What an opportunity for a daughter, a daddy-daughter dance. And you can bring your old, old grown-up daughter. 21, bring her. 30, bring her. There's nothing that... Daddy-daughter dates transcend age and time. You know, I have my, my, my daddy-daughter date with Juliana every other week. Every other Wednesday. Sometimes we get a Slurpee. Sometimes we get a snow cone. Sometimes we just get a McDonald's Sunday. And we just have daddy-daughter time. That's what we do. And I expect to have these and want to have these for the rest of her life. Just daddy-daughter time. Transcends time. This is an opportunity for us all. You know, Paul the Apostle was a violent man. He was also a self-righteous man who was trying to destroy God's church. And Jesus comes and He speaks to him on His way to Damascus. And also, Jesus speaks to Ananias, one of the disciples, in a vision. 
And he tells us, this, Ananias, I want you to meet with, with Paul or with Saul. And Paul was blinded. You know, when I was 10 years old, I had pink eye. I didn't know it was called pink eye. Just, my eyes wouldn't open because I had all that eye crust. Both of them. You know, usually it's one eye, I had them in both. And I didn't know what it was, so I didn't tell my mom what it was. And my mom noticed, hey, why are you in the bathroom so long? Because I'm washing out all the crust in my eyes. She's like, what do you have? I said, every morning I can't open my eyes because it's, 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 just, it's just so crusty. I have to come and put water in my face and then the crust goes away. You know, and no one ever, I never heard of pink eye. So, and I didn't know that, that was, that's what it was until many years later. But, so I had it and my mom, and I thought, man, are we, you know, are we going to go to the doctor? She's like, no, we're not going to the doctor. <laughs> so, so lay down, lay down on the bed. So she has me lay down on the bed. And then um, she's like, oh, wait, I'm going to be back in a second. So she goes to the kitchen, she's getting some stuff, and she comes back. And I notice she has an egg in her hand. <laughs> Snake. And I lay on the bed, and go, what? what's going to happen here? So she closed her eyes. I said, all right. So I close my eyes. And then she, like, you know, she noodles the egg on top of my eyeballs. She just noodles it. <laughs> and then I hear her praying. And I'm going, this is weird. Like, and, you know, I grew up in the, in the church back then. I'm like, she's not a priest. What is she doing? You know, I grew up in that kind of church. And she's like, hey, you're going to be better, Mion. I was like, whatever you say, Mom. The next morning, the next morning, pink eye was gone. And I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, I just chalked that up to weird and God. But it did something for my faith. I believe God can touch us. Even through people that aren't super spiritual. God can touch us. You know, in Acts 9, Paul, he gets touched. And look at this account in verse 13. Acts 9, verse 13. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about Saul and all the harm he has done to your church and your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on his name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and their people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent, uh, sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. You know, sometimes we have concerns about people. So we don't touch them. They're too scary. He looks totally unopened. He looks more righteous than me. He's too busy. Oh, he's too shy. I mean, I'm too shy. And Saul comes to Ananias' house. And what's interesting here again is that Jesus never tells Ananias to touch Saul. But he doesn't. A gesture of compassion. A touch of acceptance. A touch of brotherhood. And Saul's sight is restored. And Saul is baptized as a disciple. When we choose to touch, God works. 
He works. When we decide to touch people, God does something. My mom wanted to touch me with an egg. God did something. That was God. It wasn't my mom. It was God. He did something that I cannot explain to this day. But I believe it was Him. When we touch others, they can see again. They can see God. They can see love. They can see a purpose for their life. I call every disciple in our ministry to touch the lives around you. Christian and non-Christian alike. Let Jesus touch you. Go after being touched and touch others. May God be with you all the way. Amen.